0: Welcome back to the One two three show with me, Noreen May on this Friday afternoon. I'm really excited because it is that time of the week and it, it's time for the agenda cafe and I'd love to welcome back on the program our wonderful co-host Karen Co. Karen, it's great to see you through Zoom this afternoon. How are you doing?
1: That's right. I'm very well. I mean, I never know if I'm going to see you in person or on Zoom, but this week it's on Zoom and that's great. (laughs) And it means actually we can have more guests. So that's also a good thing. Um, Yeah. So it's great to be here.
0: And we've got a great topic today. And for our listeners, you can be viewers this afternoon. Feel free to uh, hop onto Facebook this afternoon. Noreen Mayer on RTHK Radio 3. We've got a great topic and I think it's a topic that everybody should care about and everybody can really chip into this great issue. So, Karen, what have we got this afternoon?
1: Well, as as you would know, uh, basically school is out for most kids now. We're in school holidays. But uh, we are going to focus today on uh, school and students and really talk about attitudes towards ethnic minority children in schools in Hong Kong. And we're going to hear some personal experiences both from parents and also a student. So last week, the Zubin Foundation held an online event. It was a lunch and learn event, and it really sought to raise some of these issues. And we're lucky enough to have the panelists from that event uh, joining us today, and they're going to share our stories with us. So I'd like to welcome our three guests. We have Angela Kurbura, and Angela is a journalist and a content writer, and she has three children who attend private schools in Hong Hong uh, Kong. We're also joined by Syed Agha, and Syed's an entrepreneur, and he has two children in local primary schools. He's a Hong Konger from India. And we're also joined by Jessie Labi, and Jessie is half Chinese from Hong Kong and half Ghanaian. And she's been in Hong Kong, living here for about 10 years now. Uh, she's currently a student at the University of Hong Kong. So, welcome all three of you to the Agenda Cafe. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for
2: having me. Thank,
1: thank you. Hello. <laughs> so um, maybe Angela, if we can start with you. First of all, can you just tell us about your family? And um, you know, in, in terms of being an ethnic minority, what what is your family uh, ethnicity?
2: Uh, so we're a, a Sikh family. Um, so my husband wears a turban. We all um, keep our hair long, and um, we moved to Hong Kong. I think it's about 16 years now. I always have to ask my husband how long it's been. Um, and uh, we've had we've had some really great experiences here, but we've also had some challenging experiences as Sikhs uh, in Hong Kong.
1: Okay. And in terms of your kids, um, you've got two. You've got three, right?
2: I have three. Yes.
1: Okay. And and in terms of schools, what where what schools are they going to? Um,
2: so I have a 13-year-old who is at um, an international school, an ESF school. I have a uh, an 11-year-old who is moving into the same school now, and I have uh, and those are my two daughters, and I have a seven-year-old son who uh, currently studies in primary school.
1: Okay, all right. So we'll come back to some of your stories in a minute, but let, let's just uh, learn a bit about Sayed's family. Sayyid, so can you tell us more about your family?
3: Well, I have two young kids uh at home with my wife uh both of them goes to primary school my daughter will be going to secondary school next year she has her primary school and both kids were born here they call hong kong home and because my kids say call hong kong home i call hong kong home and what kind of schools do they go to here uh they go to a local english medium school uh where they teach chinese as a subject
1: Mm. and in in their class are there many other ethnic minorities
3: well yes in that particular school there is quite a good mix of other ethnicities from all sort of uh, destinations a lot of local kids chinese kids from india from japan from indonesia from canada uh, from uk so there is quite a good mix there
1: Mm, all right, Jesse. let me come to you so, so you can introduce yourself. Tell us your story.
4: Um, uh, I came to Hong Kong 11 years ago. Um, prior to that, I didn't know any Cantonese at all. <laughs> um, I have a little sister as well. She currently does go through the exact same channel I've, I've been through. She went to a local, well, she went to a local kindergarten in is in the public. Uh, secondary school right now the same one i went to and also went to the same primary school as i did um uh yeah that's basically it for me i just went to a i didn't i uh, the primary school was most mostly comprised of um ethnic minorities i think probably 90 percent of them were um uh people from um ethnic backgrounds and there was probably like let's say uh like in total, maybe 20 locals there. Um, and then in my secondary school, that's a little bit, that's quite the opposite. <laughs> um, there's more locals than um, ethnic minorities in school, yeah. Yeah,
0: and well, when you just, went, sorry, go on, Karen. No, I was
1: gonna say, just if we stay with you, um, you know, what is your experience of, um, you know, Either being misunderstood or having assumptions made about you because of your ethnicity, or people not knowing what your ethnicity is.
4: I'm um, mostly when it comes to okay, in school specifically. Um, when it comes to, it's, it all starts from primary school because that's for me. That's where it starts, but maybe for other folks, it starts when because since they grew up here, it starts from kindergarten for them. But for me in primary school, that alone, it started with the um, classmates, but uh, with my classmates where, but I think even before being there, it was already, there was already this stigma that as the only black kid on on school grounds, there's, um, I'm bound to be a troublemaker or something like that, where, um, you know, because before that, a black kid was already expelled from school so that that was sort of like what i was <laughs> that's what was expected of me um because of one other
0: black student misbehaved they thought yeah, that yeah, all black children would yeah. misbehave because wow. there are a lot of I chinese people it. in my school who used to misbehave so should we make the assumption i'm <laughs> <laughs> um,
4: this was um this happened i i it actually came to my attention once when i was um sort of put under scrutiny because I I uploaded a video of some of the kids misbehaving on um, on school grounds and one of the teachers came up to me was like I should pull it down and that I understood but he also required me to deactivate my Facebook account, which um, (laughs) clearly I didn't later on but um, it was also he was sort of pushing for me to be expelled and you know, they brought up the issue of the previous black kid. That was, you know, um, he probably did something worse than I did, but I don't think I had the grounds to be expelled then for simply uploading a picture when um, every because the picture wasn't. Um...
0: I'm afraid we've lost um, Just... the connection there with Jesse. Are you there, Jesse? Oh, yeah. Oh, there, there you are. Yep, you're Hello? back. Yes, go on. Yes, we, we lost you slightly there. Um, I think we lost you around about when you said there were talks about them wanting to sort of get you expelled and brought up sort of the other incident uh, with, with the other uh, black uh, student. Uh, can you continue? Um, I think maybe Jesse's connection is just a bit frozen. Perhaps um, uh, maybe we'll, I'll just back up a little bit. Perhaps, um, uh, Angela, you can give us an overview about the event uh, with the Zubin Foundation that happened last week. What was sort of the overall discussion? W- what, what was it about?
2: And the conversation was around how we can, um, uh, our personal experiences and what happens across Hong Kong in different settings, be it um private school settings, public school settings, which is the case for Syed, Um, and as Jessie said, you know, from primary school, but in, in her circumstances, all the way through to university, what are the challenges that children are facing at every stage of their childhood? And where does this ignorance come from? And what can schools, parents and communities do to really empower children to live with the fact that we are a diverse society um, and how to practice inclusion in a way that's very authentic and very natural um, from the moment they're born. Mm.
1: And what was your own family experience? Did did one of your kids have a negative experience uh, at school? Uh, So my children, um, I can start with one
2: of my daughters, my uh one of my children, when she was two years old, um, she there was a boy who would bother her in the playground and say that because of the colour of her skin she was ugly. Oh. Um and so I, you know, I, I went in and said, Children are going to tease each other and I will step back and, you know, allow my children the space to learn and grow and you know how to impact the children have to stand up the themselves but when it comes to a point where somebody criticizes my child because of the color of their skin and labels them ugly because of their the school needs to step up and do something. And um, so I think that was our first instance with children. My, my, my husband wearing a turban has had his own experiences prior to uh, the birth of our children in Hong
0: Kong. Um, and Angela, then- just going back, how did the school respond? I mean, without going into details, did, did the school respond appropriately? I mean, because part of it is also the education uh, about teachers, you know, um, how, how sensitive they are and how, how inclusive, I mean, how, how did the school respond?
2: I can honestly say that uh, throughout my children's education, I've always had a very good relationship with teachers, um, and they have always stepped up, um, done what they needed to to educate the children that are, you know, acting inappropriately, or behaving or just simply ignorant. Um, ignorant then moves on to intolerance, um, and that is a whole different story. Um, but they they do step up and they do make an effort to to speak to the child, if they need to speak to the parents. Um, and that's a conversation that I have with teachers in terms of not just my child, but every child needs to have, you know, people advocating for them. Uh, mm. so if they look different yeah. or they behave different, they're wired differently. They need people, adults to advocate for them and educate children.
1: Yeah, and has have those issues gone away, or do do your kids still find that they're sometimes teased or picked on, or maybe discriminated against because of their ethnicity, because of being Sikh?
2: Well, with my son, he has long hair, um, and he has chosen to keep his hair long because he identifies with Sikhism. We've, We've spoken with him about it and asked him what he does he want to continue this way of being? And He really takes pride in it because without talking about the religion in detail or the way of being in detail, but the whole premise of the long hair and the turban is that it's a uniform that identifies, uh, that is meant to make it obvious to people that we are wearing this uniform to stand up for equality and uh, speak up against injustice. Um, Ironic, given that my son has now had these experiences. Mm-hmm. So in um, year one and year two, he was uh, there was a, there were a couple of children in his class who just could not come to terms with the fact that he is a boy. Um, they just couldn't get their head around because him. of the long hair. Because of the long hair, which is tied in a in a low man bun, he's really quite a cool looking kid. Yeah, <laughs>
0: that
1: sounds <laughs> really <of>. cool. Yeah. <laughs>
2: um, but um, you know, so he he did face that that um, innocence um, and ignorance. It was the children outside of his classroom, and this is where I feel that educators can step up a little more. I know that they're doing a lot right now, but there's more that can be done. It was the children outside of his classroom that were not being educated. Um, it's the children in the years above, for example. So my son Every single day for the two years that he was at school, age five and age six, um, he was being teased. He was being intimidated. Uh, if he went into the bathroom, the boys would pick on him and try and push him out. Um, and it was actually, uh, and he's he's a very gentle child, so he knows how to defend himself verbally uh, he wouldn't he wouldn't resort to being aggressive or anything um but when he'd come home all of that pent-up frustration would just unleash and he would become very difficult at home so he had two years of having constant uh, remarks and really quite nasty spiteful comments tripping him up on the stairs for example him, oh. kicking him Fortunately, he has a great group of friends who, and you can tell, you know, from how they've been raised, that they immediately know to, you know, circle him, keep him safe, uh, make sure that he's okay, let the teachers know what's going on. Um, So, yeah, he had that for two years, and during COVID, when everybody was frustrated that their children weren't in school, I saw my boy go from being very uh, nervous and anxious Um, back to the way that he used to be happy carefree confident again Um, and it was that change in him that made me think goodness this bullying has really impacted him Um, this year has been better uh, because the children in his year and the children in the years above they've seen him for two years now so they're a bit more familiar with his way of being
0: yeah, mm. um, I'm afraid we've we've got a break for the 2:30 news, but let's continue with this discussion uh, after the news and and for our Facebook listeners and viewers, uh, bear with us.
1: Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to the Agenda Cafe this afternoon on RTHK Radio 3 with me, Karen Ko and Noreen near and today we have a great panel of guests. We're talking about attitudes and experiences of ethnic minority children in Hong Kong schools. And we have three guests joining us. Uh, Angela Korbora, who is a journalist and content writer with three children in private schools in Hong Kong. Uh, Sayed Aga, who's an entrepreneur and has two children in local primary schools. He's a Hong Konger from India. And also Jesse Labi, who is half Chinese, half Ghanaian, has been living in hong kong for more than 10 years and is currently a student at the university of hong kong and we're also on facebook live so if you would like to see our guests as well of course make any comments or post any questions just go over to noreen's facebook page noreen Mir on rthk radio 3 and you can join us there so so before the break angela you were telling us the story of your youngest son who suffered from this bullying based on having long hair because he's Sikh, proudly Sikh, but being bullied for two years is is such a long time. How did that make you feel as a parent? And, you know, what did you feel you could do about it?
2: Thank you for asking how it uh, made me feel. Um, It's been very challenging. Uh, I'm sometimes torn between do I cut his hair um or do i allow him to continue with the way of being that that um he identifies with and our whole family identifies with um i have uh horrible memories of what my father experienced he was beaten up in front of me um and uh, had his turban knocked off he's uh, my, my brother went through an incredible amount of bullying Um, And as a sister and a daughter, seeing all of that has been really quite difficult. And then to think that my son could potentially, my my baby could potentially go through these experiences has been really hard. Um, So there's that part of me that thinks, is it just easier to just cut his hair? But the answer is no, it's not easier because by cutting his hair, I'm not only going against what he values and believes in, I'm going against what has been instilled in us from birth, which is that you always stand up for equality, Um, you don't shy away from speaking up for the truth um, and just being who you are. Um, But it also makes it very difficult for other communities and other people, because if I cut his hair, I am, because of what's going on. I'm making it so much harder for the next child that comes through school and the next child that has a situation. And some people can't change, you know, my son can maybe cut his hair, but somebody cannot change the colour of their skin Mm. or they cannot change the fact that they're wired differently or they cannot change the fact that they have a disability or should a a Muslim girl remove her hijab? You know, how many changes should all of us make to ensure that everybody blends in and becomes this boring society? Um, So fundamentally, I can't, I won't do it unless that's a decision my son makes down the line um but yeah it it hurts it definitely hurts
0: Saeed, I, I, um, I want to ask you, your, your children go to local school. What's the situation there in terms of sort of non-Chinese-speaking children? You mentioned in your children's school, there's sort of a lot of different people from different destinations. Um, what about in terms of the teaching material? Is it uh, mostly in English? Is it in Chinese? How are your children finding it?
3: Uh, all subjects are in English, except Chinese, where they teach Mandarin. Not Chinese, not the Cantonese. Oh, not Cantonese, yeah. No, not Cantonese. So that, that's really one of the biggest struggle for them, especially uh, uh, when uh, there are two different streams. One is for non Chinese, where they teach very basic Chinese and they keep on repeating it year after year. So even if you have spent five years learning it, you hardly progress and you are not in a situation where you can uh, speak it fluently or, or read, write it. And then there is another uh, Chinese version of the teaching for Chinese kids, which is very intensive and which is very difficult for the non-Chinese kids to learn. So most of the non-Chinese kids actually uh, do not join the Chinese stream and they end up uh, going through the school and do not learn any Chinese at all, which I believe is extremely important if you want to be a productive member of the society if you cannot speak the language, if you cannot understand it, if you cannot read right, you end up being a really not not so productive member of the society. Your jobs are limited. Your interaction with the society is limited. So that is one huge struggle, which I found uh, very difficult to cope with. And although my kids are doing whatever they can, but it is still a struggle. The teachers really do not have... Any mechanism to cope up with these kind of issues. Uh, although sometimes teachers work very hard. Sometimes they, they just give up. That is really one struggle I have I found.
1: Yeah. They, how, how about the school administrators? Are they aware that this is a this is going to be a problem for all those non-native speaking families? And maybe they should, you know, offer some help.
3: Uh, I believe they are quite aware but it also depends on the mindset of the families. And some of them really think Hong Kong is a temporary place for them. They are here to stay for a short period of time, few years, and then move on to another place. So they do not really focus on learning Chinese. And there are other families who are here for a long duration, but they do not understand the value of learning the local language. So there is a very small minority which is left which really wants to learn Chinese, which really wants to integrate, but they do not have much support left. And the teachers do not have enough incentive to really focus and put their energy on these kind of kids. So uh, they end up being just like everyone else with little Chinese, but we, my family, we plan to live here. We have we are made a new life in this uh, city. And we plan to live here uh, for a long time, so this is difficult for us.
0: Said, what do the teachers say when you have you, have you can have you told them that this is a situation and that you know repeating the subject year after year is not really helping your children learn. What what do they say?
3: They, they they actually do not say anything. They 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 understand the situation and they they are aware of it quite well, but I believe they have they do not have any solution to that. The education bureau. Has a framework for teaching Chinese as a second language. That's right. But it it is just a framework. No one really knows about it. There is the teachers are not aware about this framework. They are not qualified. They are not trained. There is also a training which is available for teachers who want to uh, teach kids. But this is not mandatory, and most of the teachers do not bother to join it. I I think this is just yeah, yeah. just extra extra work for them.
0: I think it comes down to sometimes the expectations. I think when you have non-Chinese-speaking families who are learning Chinese, I think the schools often have less expectations for them because they know that they don't really have the support. It's only one language in, in, in the school. But like you said, Said, it actually has a... A, a, a negative effect because these students will need a working language after they graduate. They'll need Chinese, uh, Cantonese, or, or Mandarin in order yeah. to, to, to get a good job in, in society. So so yeah. I think that's uh, a, a current uh, issue. W- one point I'd like to sort of talk about is sort of um, teachers in schools being more, inte- it's just picking up on what Angela talked about uh, earlier, but just sort of being more intentional and deliberate to expose our children to to diversity. And I think that, um, you know, not just in local schools, but in international schools, there are differences, um, you know, with students from different backgrounds. How can schools really think of a curriculum, and this sort of steps away from language, but really promote more diversity? Because thinking back, I I went to an international school here in Hong Kong, and we had people from, from all walks of life from different places, but we really didn't Um, I mean, I knew about Diwali because I had Indian friends. I I, I knew about Eid because I had Muslim friends, but it wasn't through the school per se, you know. Um, So how can the school be more deliberate and intentional uh, in terms of promoting uh, diversity? Uh, Angela?
2: That's a really interesting question. Um, And there's a lot that can be done. There's a lot being done already, but there's just room for so much more. And I think it starts with... um, educators having uh, spe- specific dni training diversity inclusion mm-hmm. training so that they because diversity inclusion at the moment in my mind is a very blanket statement
4: it's the value what
0: is it yeah
4: exactly it's like
2: if, if we think about children there are no specifics it's just this we're a tolerant school um speaking you know for, for a lot of, because I speak with a lot of educators in, in the line of work that I'm in, um, so this is just kind of across the board, not aimed at any specific school. Um, if these te- if teachers and staff as well could could have specific DNI training, they have safeguarding training, um, which is fantastic. Um, they have lots of different types of training, you know, child development um noticing if a child is, is you know, being bullied for example they have all of that training but there isn't specific dni training and um, so i think that would be a start and then educating children so diversity it's it's a way of life it's a fact of life it's not going away so we teach children math and english and science and history and geography but even the most and i said this before even the most educated child is going to fail in the real world, which is a diverse world, if they don't have an inclusive mindset. And the way that we do that is by proactively, which I think is the most important thing, proactively teaching them about different religions, different ways of being. Um, You know, it's great that you learned about Diwali through your friends. The school can do that. They can proactively. So, and, and another thing is that when a child enters the school that looks different, behaves different, has a different way of being, I would love to see teachers and um, educators being curious and inviting the parents in mm-hmm. to have a conversation today we noticed that your child has long hair, we noticed that, you know, so-and-so so wears a turban. Um, I'd love to know more about your religion and would you be interested in coming in?
0: And, and talk about and talk it,
2: yeah. not just to the class that the child is in, but to the whole school, because the, the challenges are not always within the classroom, it's outside of the classroom, yeah. the older kids. Um, and this, in a way, stops the child from being the guinea pig or the one that people are learning from in inappropriate ways if we can actively make that happen.
1: I mean, Um, mm -hmm. no, I was going to say, I wanted to ask Jessie because, you know, to be honest, there are not that many black people in Hong Kong and there are probably many Hong Kong people who have never met a, a black person in their life, so all they think they know is from popular culture. You know, it's from watching movies and music videos and things like that. I mean, what do you think could be done to really let uh, kids, especially, learn more about other cultures and and those real uh, those cultures that really are such a minority in Hong Kong?
4: Um, when it comes to learning more about black people in Hong Kong, um. So I work with the Africa Center in Hong Kong, and you know, from what Edison. they do, they yes. try to. Yes, yes. <laughs> They try to have um, some activities with local schools, which I do find, which I do think would be an interesting way in promoting um, the Black culture, but more specifically, as Innocent likes to say, rebranding. The, um, the perspective when people look at black people because that is something quite problematic in Hong Kong where most of the time I used to work uh, part-time before university and um, my coworker would ask me oh do you guys have electricity in Africa or like do you guys um, or is Africa a country and stuff like this and I think this is some misconceptions or misunderstanding that Media have always perpetuated to the point where like people actually do believe this is something we go through. People do believe, oh, we probably aren't intellect enough, or they like they don't, they cannot understand that we could be just normal people like they are as mm-hmm. well. And when it comes to rebranding and just trying to learn about or just to know more about other cultures, I think that's one thing that Innocent is doing pretty well in that aspect. But also when it comes to within schools from back in my primary i remembered we had cultural week and in that week on that on and on the friday of that week we would have we would go to different classrooms where it was turned into like a country like but most of the time it was western countries that they were promoting and in scenarios like this it would be really nice if they could rather promote like you know South, like Asian countries or people that are, you know, like the ethnic minorities in Hong Kong, rather than just promoting, you know, the worst, the Western perspective in this scenario. So I thought this was kind of, it was an interesting um, attempt in trying to uh, broaden the knowledge of the students, but also I think the scope of it was a bit misguided. Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. what I, so I do think like, if in terms of like trying to promote different cultures they could this could be in a, uh, a way that could be like a method that they could go ahead with but just not promoting the wrong <laughs> it's not the wrong one but just not this others that need more like awareness rather than yeah yeah
1: jesse <laughs> did you yourself experience any say teasing from classmates when when you were younger
4: i did i'm um, the hair mostly because um i think in chinese they, they call it like bao, bao tao tao <laughs> or like <laughs> yeah, like the hair is exploded or something and this is something that you don't normally see in hong kong because everyone has straight hair and there's a lot of teasing from this particular chinese classmate who i'm now best friends with um but it was kind of annoying that you know before she even got to know me you know she would Tease me for the way I look, because black folks have uh, predominantly bigger noses or bigger lips. And this was like something that not many people have in Asia here, apparently to her. But um, also besides that, another thing that annoyed me was in secondary school going in there is you meet new people, but most of the time, they're a bit cautious of approaching me because they often, you know, from what media, promotes as well, they um, sort of assume that I will be really violent, or, you know, just really silly stuff that, you know, they just have to approach me as, um, you know, like any other person, and they will see that it's not as what media always promotes. Right,
1: so yeah. they, they kind of saw you as a stereotype of... As a stereotype, yes. Uh-huh.
4: <laughs> they even got to It comes yeah.
0: down to exposure and, you know, trouble is, I think mm. I, I had um, Phyllis Jung from Unison on the program last year and I think she gave some shocking statistic about how 50% of ethnic minority students in Hong Kong are sort of concentrated in 29 local primary and secondary schools. That's actually... Shocking to hear that only 29 schools in Hong Kong have, um, you know, uh, uh, non local students. So it comes down to exposure for, for, for local students, that local students aren't really getting the opportunity to make friends uh, with people who are non Chinese. I mean, Said, I mean, y- your children go to mm. um, a school that has lots of people from different destinations. Was that deliberate, or did you want to choose for them to go to a local school where there were more <coughs> Chinese people? I mean, what was your sort of thinking behind choosing your school?
3: Uh, my thinking was that, that they should get exposure because, as Angela said, the diversity is here; it's not going anywhere. Yes. So better accept this fact and and learn that there are people who are different and diverse than you are. So I actually wanted them to go to a, a fully Chinese school, but I realized that it would not be that easy for the kids to cope up because of the Chinese. Curriculum, so I chose an English-medium school, which still had uh, diversity. But I would tell you the incident with my son. He went to a kindergarten. Unfortunately, there were not too many kindergartens who were willing to give him admission. He finally went to a kindergarten where kids were segregated based on their race. There were two wow. classrooms what? just next to yes, just what? next to each, each other. One classroom had all the EM kids. Another classroom had all the Chinese kids. Really? So, Why yeah, was that? Uh, well, this is Hong Kong, and th- this is just uh, like he is in P two now. So I'm just uh, talking about 2019 when he left that kindergarten. I I spoke to EDB officials. I spoke to EOC, and uh, they were not very like ha- happy to do anything about it. So they just one school, two kids. Uh, Same grade, but one would be going to one classroom, another going to another classroom. So this is amazing. They could, they're allowed to do that. You know, it just seems. Well, this is, and I, I, I told them that uh, they are so young, and you are making an invisible, invisible barrier for them right now. uh, When they are, they do not even understand the difference between races, like one person is Chinese another is non Chinese but in their mind you are, you're making this thing that we are different we are going to a different classroom we are different they are going to a different classroom we are different so we should not come together So was what it are a you language doing?
0: barrier was it because like one one group was sort of you know spoken English and one group one group spoke Chinese I'm just trying to understand the reasons you know other than race
3: I I, I do not I know one classroom had only Chinese kids another classroom had all other kids. Uh, Indian, Pakistani, Filipino. So I think that was not just no. the language, it was the race.
1: Okay. Yeah, wow. that's kind of shocking. I mean here we are, Hong Kong um, yes. uh, sort of markets itself as a uh, world city or an international city. And then you have this kind of this kind of thing going on. I mean Saeed when you look at you know you said you want you know you've moved here you want to make hong kong your home what what sort of solutions do you think
3: there are to to this kind of problem well uh diversity training is certainly one as angela mentioned that all the kids should should have some sort of including teachers some sort of diversity training introduction to different people different cultures and uh, uh that that should be a good start. And for me, uh, learning Chinese is extremely important. I, I've been struggling with that. My kids, kids are struggling with that. My my daughter was a school topper. She always topped her class, her entire batch. She was always topping it. But when we started teaching her Chinese, she uh, she really struggled with that, and uh, she had nightmares. She could not. She started avoiding school. She she had so many problems. And uh, I feel sad to tell you now that she would be going to secondary school and she has already been diagnosed with uh, depression. She's undergoing treatment for depression only because she she could not cope up with this Chinese. And there was absolutely no help from anyone. Even the teachers were so rude with her that if she could not submit her homework on time, they did not bother to help her simply gave her a late mark and she would come and show, and not show me the late mark because she was afraid that we would be angry at her and I said this is not your mistake, we would not be angry with you and I had to go and beg to a teacher not to give her a late mark because this is hurting her mentally, don't do that if she's not doing her homework, please try to find out why she could not do it, probably because she doesn't understand what she has to do and Chinese is a language, we can't help her, so please be kind to her, so it was Teachers, the environment, school,
0: everything. Well, you know, it, it, you, if your school's under EDB and and if you if you're, if that school has um, a lot of uh, EM students, they get funding yes, from yes. the government and uh, the government would be very interested to see how they're using the no. money and, and monitoring how the money is being spent. So is there a, uh, an avenue you could directly speak to EDB or perhaps after the program?
3: I did. We, ha- we, we had a meeting with EDB, uh, I think, uh, last week and they are not honestly they're not very interested they just want to, I, I told them that you are giving them money they're, where is the accountability why don't you ask them what are doing with this money and this has this has been raised several times with edb officials mm-hmm. uh, their focus is always on telling us what they have done not on 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 addressing the problem that we bring to them
1: yeah so, i i feel like many government departments are like that they just take this minimalist approach that yes. We cater to 97% of yeah. the people who are there, but those yeah. 3% who are not the majority, they have yeah. needs as well. And, you know, if you're not going to address them, who is going to address them? And in yeah. education, it's yeah. really their their duty to, to provide the same level of service and the same level of support for everybody. But, you know, you're right, the ethnic minorities or people with disabilities, they just are not really taken care yeah. of, of. And uh, there uh, seems to be a little empathy uh, as well.
3: Uh, yes, and right. uh, I think asking for education is not something which is like special. Just asking <laughs> it's a for basic equal, human if, right. Bit, yes, you are just asking to, to learn and, and just to do the minimum possible. And, uh, and I've been telling them that this is just a question of like one generation. If one generation of ethnic come up come up with good Chinese fluency, Uh, if they can learn and read and write Chinese, they're going to take care of the next generation on their own. Like for me, I can't teach my kids Chinese because this is not possible for me. So just a question of one generation. Yeah.
1: They need Um, to have a a much longer term view, not just what's happening this academic year.
0: Exactly. And not just teaching sort of Chinese as a second language for, for, for EM children, for non-Chinese speaking, because you said at the beginning of the program, it's really important that they are equipped with learning Chinese um just like every other student said, so they have a, 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 yes. a better start. Um, we've only got a few minutes left for the programme. Uh, we've been focusing a lot about what schools can do and, and what students can do in terms of sort of uh, uh, being more inclusive. Part of it is also parents. You know, um, as parents, we, we should be educating ourselves um, about other cultures so that we can talk to our parents about being, uh, to, to the children, or maybe our parents as well, um, but um, <laughs> our, our, our kids, to be more respectful of people's culture. Um Jessie, uh, you know, you come from a, a, a biracial family. Did your parents sort of uh, talk to you about um, the, the differences of their culture? And, you know, there are going to be bound, there, are bound to be people who won't understand. And these are the sort of things that you can say. And how did they educate you uh, to, to empower you to, to, to speak to your peers?
4: Um, I didn't really get that from my mom because um, <laughs> I'm not so sure because I think she just sort of, Assume that um
0: you'll handle it
4: will <laughs> be really easy yes yes um and that's not the case with my sister because um when my sister um because the difference between me and my sister is that she's more fluent in chinese so her handling it is much better than me and so when it comes to the parents i th- i think because my mom was local so he didn't really bother her early on but I think nowadays, whenever I encounter, you know, a little bit of, you know, discrimination here and there or some language um, difficulty, I do approach, I'm more um, initiative in approaching her on this so that she knows like, oh, this is what I have Because before then it felt like, okay, it wasn't discussed. So maybe like, it's not something that like, I should bother reaching out to telling her because it doesn't seem that, um, it didn't feel important then but now that you know i understand what's happening i'm all vocal about it and i try to you know be the role model for my sister as well just so that she knows like oh if you ever encounter this she can bring this to us as well yeah
0: that's great and you're...
2: where do i start um <laughs> i'm conscious of time i think it's it's something that um along the lines of the conversation that you had with side about you know what what side could do um to to change up the situation if you like and i think if we could um if we could all step up so not just ethnic minorities um but but all of us recognize that this is this is an issue for all of us it's an issue for children who don't have an inclusive mindset it does a disservice to them and it's an issue for children who uh, bear the brunt of ignorance and tolerance so things like proactively buy books that teaches children about different races and religions look at what you're watching look at what your children are watching have those proactive conversations um, with children look at your own circle of friends are all your friends a certain color or a certain background or a certain way of being shake it up a bit you know get to know different people and, and role model to your children how to live in an inclusive society um, and teach your children how to have respectful conversations they can ask There is a difference between innocence, ignorance and intolerance. So innocence shouldn't be an excuse for that.